This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hey, I'm Ray Hudson, and you are, I don't know who you are, but you're listening to Blaugranagram. Don't be like them kids in the Blair Witch Project and go away. All right? All right. Welcome to the Driven Shot Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Driven Shot Podcast, episode two. I hope you're all doing well. I'm your host, Omar. A lot of you know me as Blaugranagram. And first off, I'd like to apologize for this podcast being a bit light. I did say that I would try and make these as consistent as possible and make them every week. But as some of you might know, I had an eye infection that I had to deal with for a couple of days. Uh, and as you can see, luckily, it's it's all done and dusted. It's, it's, back, it's back to full health. But uh, I had to deal with that for a while. And, um, and yeah, it's I've dealt with it. And now I'm working on tons of stuff behind the scenes for you guys. Um, I have some merch coming uh, at Celebration for reaching 22,000 followers on Twitter, which has been absolutely amazing. Your support on Instagram, we're reaching, we're close to reaching 1,000 followers on there as well. It's amazing. Uh, YouTube is also closing in on, on those 1,000. So overall, I'd, I'd like to thank you so much for your support. It's been, it's been amazing. It's been a hectic transfer window. Uh, a lot of people coming in, coming out. A lot of people in my mentions and in other people's mentions. Uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been a roller coaster so far. It really has, and you know, with with the things that seem to be going on and, and the things that are about to happen in this transfer window, with about two weeks remaining, it, it doesn't seem like that uh, chaos is going to stop anytime soon. So that's going to be interesting. And again, I would like to thank you for your support. Um, when it comes to that and when it comes to the website because I know a lot of you have been asking me about the website what's gonna happen um, and that website is gonna get a revamp very soon so stay tuned for that uh, and that's also where some of the merch is gonna come up so I'll be working on that and uh, yeah stay tuned and we'll see well I'm, I'm excited to see how you guys are gonna receive this because it's, it's a big step for me it's a big step for the brand and uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy it so, this season, um, I was actually considering having the merch ready before the season, but that didn't work. Uh, a lot of things came in the way, and that happens. Life happened, basically. <laughs> um, the thing is, this season is... I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say, because at first, at first, I thought this season would be one of those where... You know, I thought it would be one of those seasons where everything would go our way. You know, obviously, we would have some difficulties. That That's bound to happen. But when you look at the squad we have, when you look at the names, the players we have, um, you know, I, ca- I couldn't help but think that, you know, we'd, we'd boss this season. Um, Real Madrid have bought, have made some really interesting, uh, really interesting uh players that they've bought in, that they've brought in from other clubs. Uh, Rodrigo finally joined up with Vinicius uh, from Santos, I believe. Um, they have, you know, obviously Eden Hazard. They bought Felon Mendy. A lot of players that I'm actually interested in seeing how Zidane is going to actually manage that because that's a lot of big names. And you can say the same thing for Barca, you know, um, Given how the player's attitude has seemed to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because as we've seen, Valverde isn't the the, the kind of in-your-face type manager. He's not, you know, as outspoken as other managers. And that's not just not just when it comes to the public. That's also in the dressing room. He doesn't seem like the most outspoken person. Uh it's I'm, I'm I'm honestly surprised that that we haven't had a managerial change I'm surprised I, I still I still it's weird for me because we've it's we focused so much on like rebuilding this team thinking about the future go, getting these getting the right players uh, working so hard on getting that De young deal across doing so much to get that Griezmann deal across Um you know, yeah, Griezmann, you could argue, isn't really future-future. He's more of a short-term 
uh, due to his age, but the players that we've brought in, some of them haven't really, the, the transfers haven't really made sense. Some of them just haven't made sense. Um, you know, when you when you think about play, when you think about uh, the Silas and Neto swap, it makes sense from a from a sporting perspective. I guess you could say it makes sense because let's face it, Silasen is too good to be a backup. He simply is too good to be a backup. It's a shame that that a keeper of his quality is a backup player in Barcelona. Because if it wasn't for Ter Stegen. And you even even I've 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 heard some argue that Silasen is better or at least on par with Ter Stegen, and you could definitely make a case for that given his performances. The fact that he doesn't really play, well, he didn't really he didn't really play too much with Barca, but whenever he did, he absolutely smashed it. So that transfer was was it was one of those transfers where you know you, you feel sad after a while because his professionalism throughout the whole thing has been absolutely amazing it's been absolutely fantastic uh the fact that you know he, he saw he saw what his situation was he knew that okay i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be able to offer barca much and you know i i'd like playing time too i'd like to be in, for my national team and he decided to to make that move but what i think is weird is how the move was presented um because it wasn't they didn't just announce it as a swap they announced it as uh Silicon being sold for 25 million and then Barca acquiring Neto for those 25 million. So it's announcing it as a straight swap. So that was kind of weird uh, the way they did that. I believe actually it was, I believe one of, one of those, were, I think it was 35 actually. I don't remember. So many, so many transfers have happened. Also because I don't just keep an eye out for Barca. As you guys might have noticed, I keep an eye out for other clubs as well. I'm an Everton fan as well, so I keep an eye out for Everton. I keep an eye out for what other leagues are, are doing, what other acquires they're doing, uh, other clubs in La Liga. And those numbers are not easy to remember, especially because the Silicon Neto transfer is kind of old news now, um, considering all the things that have you know, been talked about, all the different transfers from other clubs. The fact that uh, a player like Gareth Bale, who when he's on form is easily there with top 10 in the world you know, at that, at that moment, um, that whole situation, the the outcome of that was weird. I did not think he'd stay at Madrid, uh, and I, I don't think many thought that he'd stay either. But Zidane has come out and said he's staying, and that influences the Neymar deal because Bale was one of the bargaining chips for Madrid allegedly. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see because Madrid were thinking, reportedly were thinking of offering Bale. Um, and now that Bale is staying, that he's obviously not going to be offered, and so they have some other players that Paris might be interested in. Um, but I, I, that that deal, that deal, I'm going to talk about that later on in the podcast. It's it's such a complex deal. It's so hard to call what's going to happen. Where is he going to end up? When could this be announced? I get so many of you guys uh, DMing me or asking me. Uh, you know what, what's gonna happen uh, do you think it could be announced next week and the thing is it's so tough to call stuff like that usually usually with some deals it's pretty straightforward you know Coutinho I think when, when the Byron when Byron came up again when their name was mentioned again everyone pretty much knew that okay he, he was probably gonna end up there at first, I thought it was just a tactic by Barca to push PSG. But I think when Bayern's interest really got concrete, I think that's when Coutinho saw that and he was like, "Okay, you know what? Let's let's do it." I, I don't. I one of the things that I wouldn't be happy with if he went to Paris is the, the level of the league would be too low for him. He's I, he might not have been too good at Barcelona, but I genuinely believe that under any other manager who who would have utilized those, the players that he had at his disposal properly. I genuinely think Coutinho could have been one of our stars. Genuinely. And a player like Malcolm, who never really got a chance, in fairness, he never really got a chance um, with Barca. He got you know some chances here and there. And in fairness, every time he got a chance, I think he took it well. I think he played really well every single time. Um, so that whole situation, that whole situation was just weird. Uh, the fact that he left to join Zenit instead of other clubs. Uh, 
And the thing is, Malcolm is a fighter. He's a strong player, mentally strong. He's capable of handling pressure. If Malcolm and Coutinho had swapped places, right? If 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 Mal if Coutinho was the one who had an offer from Everton, uh, which is very very hypothetical, obviously, because he played at Liverpool and you know a lot of other factors. But if he had, if if Coutinho was the one who had that offer from Everton, let's say, and Dortmund and Zenit, and Coutinho chose Zenit. I would kind of maybe understand it because he's, I'm not saying he cracks under pressure, but he could not withstand the pressure that came with a huge price tag, not just from a monetary point of view, not just from like himself stressing out about it, but also because the fans demand a lot. Barca fans demand a lot, especially, I would say especially the locals, but the locals are a very split group sometimes. It's case in point, the Coutinho saga. When the Anfield game happened afterwards, when Rakitic was with his family at Sevilla, which, by the way, I'm not against. Um, I don't think he should have posted the pictures or let them be posted then. Um, but, you know, family obligations are family obligations. I don't know what if that's a tradition in his family that they do every year, and maybe that's why he thought that it would be fitting to do it anyway to get his mind off of things. Um... And I'm not going to get too much into Rakitic in this episode. I might address some players in the next episode. But the reason I don't want to get into it now is because what I might, what I, what I say now might not be as relevant next week if some transfer has developed, if some move has developed. But I will address Rakitic and some other players uh, later on in this episode. However, when it comes to um, when it comes to players like Malcolm and Coutinho and and those type of players, Artur, even Dembele, um, Valverde just isn't the type to. He might have had a little bit of success with it in the past. And Yaki Williams is a beast. He's a beast. But, and, and, you know, because Bilbao are a club that likes to promote the youth a lot, I've seen that with Iker Munyain, for instance, how he's been brought up through the ranks and now is. One of the most loved players. I, I personally love him. I'm not, I'm not even a, I'm not even a mobile fan, but I love that guy. Um, so you can see how they treat their players, and obviously that's going to push uh, Valverde towards using him more. But what ruined the Coutinho and the Malcolm sagas the most? Of course, the price tag, the inflation that happened in 17 when Neymar moved to Paris, uh, played a really big role because what happens. What happened then was every single player's price basically doubled or tripled or quadrupled. If you look back before before 2017, if you were to give a value estimate for some players, Harry Maguire would be nowhere near those 80 million. Coutinho would not have cost the amount of money he cost. Dembele would have not cost the amount of money he cost. Paul Felix would not have cost around 120 million euros. It's insane to think about, but as as insane as it is, that's what comes with it. That's that comes with the territory. When you're gonna to move to a big club, you gotta be able to handle the pressure. But I'm not. I don't think Coutinho was solely at fault for not succeeding. I think that's a, a, a big part of that was also on Valverde because it's not a coincidence that Coutinho doesn't succeed under, under Valverde, Malcolm doesn't succeed, Dembele's level drops. Granted, he's had injuries, but whenever he's played. He hasn't looked as sharp as he did in Dortmund. And yes, you could argue La Liga and the Bundesliga are different. And they're different levels and different teams you play up against, different tactics. But he's failing some... He's, he's off the mark with some really, really basic things that he's not able to do. Um, and I genuinely think a lot of that... I'm not saying that, oh, Valverde is the only one at fault because he's not the only one at fault. But Valverde definitely also plays a role. When you're the manager of a club, when you're the coach of a club, you have to be able to motivate your players in a certain way, make them play in a certain way, right? And that's a thing that a lot of people have been talking about, especially after that season premiere. This is an opener, uh, the La Liga opener, not just Barca's, but the La Liga opener for the season of 2019-2020 um, was that game against... Bilbao at the San Mames. That game 
I was I was honestly surprised with how poorly we played. Um, you know, compared to the Napoli game when we won four 0 when I saw that, and yeah, it's a of course it's a friendly, but when you see how Barca played there, you I was like, okay, you know what? That's without Messi. There's no way that we're not gonna be playing that well. We just won four 0 We just won a game four 0 Okay. How do we manage to go from that and playing so 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 well? To losing 1-0 against Bilbao at the San Mames in the league opener. This team should have had should have so much confidence going into that game. I'm not saying being complacent. I'm saying having confidence. Trusting yourself. The team, as I wrote on Twitter, it was such a cagey affair. The game felt so... It felt like both teams were scared of going too much forward. Like they would attack. Barca would attack. Get to the final third and then pass it around or pass it back or whatever. The only player that dared to do something, other than Frankie De Jong, who even that even he got closed down because, let's face it, Bilbao knew they saw, they they knew they know what De Jong is capable of. They've most likely seen him play throughout throughout last season. They might have kept an eye out during preseason, and they know if they close him down, that's one of Barca's most creative outlets. Uh, he might not be the biggest showboat dribbler, but his passes, his vision. His way of, of his, he's so press resistant as well. And when you when you close down a player like that, and you, we don't really have other players who are on form who can do that, that's that's where the problem is. Um, a thing that is that well, it didn't really surprise me. If anything, it just disappointed me. Is the fact that Ricky Puj was not picked for that game. Coutinho was selected and then ultimately was left out of the squad last minute uh, when the Bayern talks materialized. The deal was about to be done. And so, therefore, there was really no need for him to play that game. Um, so, that happened. And Coutinho was in the squad when Artur and Arturo weren't. And Coutinho, as much as he's seen as a winger, also... I mean, he's naturally not a winger. Naturally, he's not a winger. He might have played as a winger in Liverpool's system as a left wing. Um, he might have played a left wing at some Brazil games from time to time. But he's a natu- naturally, he's a cam. He's a he's a central attacking midfielder. And yes, that role is occupied by Messi. Granted, it's on the right side. But the way Valverde played him throughout the, throughout last season was as a winger. He didn't play him. He did have some games where he played him as a left attacking midfielder in that left half space, but he also had games where he played him as a left winger. That those were the majority of games last season where he played him as a winger. He'd drop a little bit, Coutinho. He would drop a little bit deeper to try and receive the ball, do something in that left left half space of the pitch, but it wouldn't work out. And the reason it wouldn't work out is because when he was played out of position for so long. And things just weren't going as well for him. He started losing confidence. So as soon as Valverde put him back into where he wanted him, where where Coutinho wanted to play, he wanted to impress. And then started overdoing things. Started taking shots from long distances. Started making dribbles that he really could have avoided. Um, so a lot of things where that that that's the aftermath of some of Valverde's decisions. That's what happens when you don't manage your players correctly. Malcolm did all did, did you know Malcolm basically put his career on the line. You could argue that that's what he did when he snubbed Roma for Barca last minute after the agreement had been uh, announced by Bordeaux and he moved to Barca. He took he took the you know he decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to see what happens. It's a big move for me. It's it's a dream club, you know. And a year later, he's shipped off to Russia. And that the treatment over there, if what we if what we're hearing is true, is absolutely abysmal, disgraceful, saddening. Um, I'm still struggling to understand why he chose Russia. I'm still struggling to understand that. You know, if, you, if, if if the problem was that he couldn't handle the pressure, Coutinho should be that guy. Coutinho should be the guy who doesn't go to Bayern if he can't handle the pressure. Because there comes a lot of pressure with playing for Bayern. But he did that. 
So I don't think it's the pressure. I don't think that's what it is. Going to Russia instead of going to Dortmund, who in who already at the time had made some really strong reinforcements. They have a really strong team right now. Everton are really building a team now as well, with Alex Iwobi coming in, Moise Kian coming in, uh, Bamin coming in, Sidibe is already secured. They're making a really strong team already. So that move could have made sense. It moved to the Premier League. He is a sort of physical player. I think he would have fit in there. In Dortmund, he would have fit in there. He could fill that Dembele void that they're still trying to replace. Especially now that Pulisic is gone. You could argue that Sancho has filled the Dembele void very, very well. But now that Pulisic is gone, they need someone on that left wing. Um, and, and and while they might have secured someone who could play there in, in Torgan Hazard, who is a good player, I think Malcolm could have filled that void as well. And, and Hazard is, is pretty versatile. So I don't think he's going to have any trouble adapting to either of the positions. But I think Dortmund could have been a really good move for Malcolm. But he chose Russia. And he hasn't been off to the best of starts there from what we're hearing. But hopefully, I wish him the best of luck. Because he's genuinely such a professional player. Such a great guy as well. From the, I, I, I don't know about you guys. But I personally do watch the videos that Barca put out every now and then on the YouTube channel. Um, and he seems like a really nice, kind calm guy and you know if you're gonna get abused like that at a stadium at your first home game that's he doesn't deserve that no one does no one does so I hope that gets resolved soon and I hope that his career doesn't just go down the drain because of Ernesto Valverde not using him properly and then the board deciding that he should be the one to go when there are other players who could be argued as bigger liabilities on this team than Malcolm ever was um, so, the Liga opener, uh, really showed it all. It really showed it all. Uh, this team depends on Messi a lot, and when you have the best player in the world, that's, that's, you can't avoid being dependent on him. But the way we are dependent on him is scary. It's abs it's scary. The way we depend on Messi, in a way that, it's almost like we don't know how to play football without him, sometimes. We saw the Napoli game, was we were absolutely fantastic in that game. Napoli pressed well the first half, but the second half we absolutely bossed it. The first half we did well. But then you play against Bilbao. Yes, the San Mames is always, always a tough ground. We saw with, we've always had some issues with some with some away stadiums. The Anoeta curse, for instance, was broken, and now the, the Anoeta is no longer the Anoeta. So, we've always had some tough away games. You can't avoid that. But I don't think that loss would have hit people as hard as it did if if we actually played well. There was no there was no spirit in that team. You didn't really feel that you know that eagerness, that happiness, that you know when you see that when you saw that four 0 game, you felt the team the the team had fun out there. The team was happy. The team had eagerness. They had heart. They had desire. They wanted to play well. They wanted to actually do stuff out there. This team against Bilbao, which was, by the way, a similar lineup to the one against Napoli, just didn't feel like they they felt they felt like they didn't know what to do. They felt like they didn't know what to do. That Adorith goal. I when I was watching the game, I was watching it with a friend, and I told him, "Listen, as soon as I saw Adorith warm up, I said, bro." He's going to score. He's going to come in. He's going to score 87th. He's going to come in. He's going to score the winner. And we're going to lose the game. He comes in a minute, a minute later and scores an absolute out-of-this-world strike and wins the game for them. And I have the utmost respect for him, not because of that goal, but because of how consistent he's been throughout the years. He's a Bilbao legend. There's no denying that. And I would not be surprised if, he had, if they had a spot ready for him in the back room of the club. Uh, when he retires, he did say this season would be his last. So opening your last ever footballing season as a professional footballer with scoring a an overhead kick against FC Barcelona in the 88th minute as a 38-year-old is absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible, and I'm not. I I don't think you can blame Ter Stegen for that goal. I don't see any. You know, Ter Stegen could not have saved that, no matter what he did. 
Because that was a sick goal. That was a great strike. But who you can blame is the defenders. The defending was all over the place for that goal. He had so much... He had, he had space and time to do that. The defenders weren't on him. Uh, Dembele didn't stop that cross, which a lot of talk happened about that. Why did he stop? Why didn't he not stop a cross? Look, he's such a liability. You guys tend to forget that he... Of course, it's his third season. Of course, it's his third season. And, you know, when you're third season, you do have some expectations for players. They should be performing, if not really well, then at least well enough. They shouldn't feel like liabilities on the team. But at the same time, his three seasons have been plagued with injuries, um, which obviously is one of the cons to Usman Dembele. But... He, I, th I, I think this season could be, I think this season could be his season, because last season towards the, uh, towards the, well, throughout several times of the season actually, before he got injured, that's when he really started showing the the real side of Usman Dembele, and then he got injured, and then that that was that was it that was his season, uh, against Anfield obviously that goal. Uh, it was a heartbreaking that he missed his shot. His shot was, you could, you know, I felt like when I saw that, and I think a lot of people will agree on me. I, you could feel that he was complacent when he got that ball. You could feel he just, he's, he's like, yeah, it's gonna go in. He just took that and he missed it. And I don't think it's fair for people to blame him because if you're gonna blame him for that one miss, you could blame so many other players for so many other things that happened in that game. So many misses that happened. So many misplaced passes that led to goals, uh, lack of proper man marking, lack of defending. It's not fair to blame one player for that. Like obviously that that miss will haunt him. But I think people are holding him too much up against his price tag. Uh, and I, I think I think this season could be his. I genuinely believe that if he can stay fit, he can be great for us. And of course, he hasn't had the best of starts. To this season, he looked shaky in preseason. Uh, he it seemed like he got a minor injury against Bilbao. Uh, he, he started feeling I believe it was his yeah it was his left shoulder around that area. Uh, it was either his shoulder or around here, and it's gonna be he he I mean he traveled to Senegal. I don't think that it's a big injury. I don't think it's a big deal. If it was, Barca would have made at least an announcement about it. They did not. And so, I think he'll be okay. But, he is a young talent. He's still not a finished product. But you can't resist the temptation to compare him to players like Kylian Mbappe, who is absolutely bossing it for both the national team and Paris Saint-Germain. But again, Paris are facing... All I, all I want to say is this. Dembele was bossing it at Stade Rennais. Okay? He was bossing it there. And he comes to one of the, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the best league in the world. Right? That's going to take some adaptation. And yes, you could argue three seasons. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time to adapt. But if you get injured and you get constantly thrown off rhythm um, and your manager... Favors other players instead of you when you're finally fit. That can make you lose some motivation. Especially if that player isn't playing too well either. But he's getting to play because, because of his price tag. And even then, he's being played out of position. Which means his performances are worse. Which means when he finally gets back to full form, it's over. Um, so, I, 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 think, I think Dembele is going to have... I think Dembele is going to be interesting to watch this season. I think the thing that really interests me is why Barca decided to sell two of the three players who are viewed as wingers. They decided to get rid of them, which doesn't really make sense to me unless you absolutely plan on bringing in a reinforcement. One thing you got to remember, Luis Suarez is aging and he hasn't really been in the best of forms. He hasn't been he hasn't been in his usual self for a long time now. Um, and Suarez is you know he's he's our only real striker 
if we're talking quality, he's our only real striker. The other guy, we, the other one we have is Antoine Griezmann, but he's more of a center forward. He's more of a second striker, more of a ten, more of a false nine. I do think he can play as a striker. But if we play him as a striker, we have Dembele on the left. Then at that time, we have Dembele, and then we have Messi on the right. The problem is if Messi or Dembele gets injured, and Suarez is injured, we're done. We're done for. Because if Suarez is injured and Griezmann gets injured, we don't have anyone who can be good up top. Abel Ruiz is not going to cut it against top oppositions. Not yet, at least. If Messi is injured, you could have Dembele playing his position. And then you could have Griezmann playing the striker or the left wing position. But you'd have to... Let's say you play Griezmann up front and Dembele on the right. You'd have, you'd have to pull up someone like Carlos Perez, who I really like, by the way. But again, not a player who's ready to face top oppositions in tough games it's poor planning unless Barca are absolutely absolutely certain that they can get Neymar if they're not sure that they can get Neymar getting rid of Coutinho as much as it's yes it lightens the weight the the wage bill and yes it means that they can afford Neymar a bit more especially if it's on loan but I can't help but think that Barca they must have planned this out they must have known what they were doing because if we don't get Neymar we don't have any other winger than Dembele and Griezmann, who's a winger, but also would be our striker instead of Suarez, especially now that Suarez is injured. We're going to need someone to replace him. And Suarez seems to be out for a month, um, and I think in that time, Valverde, that will give him some time to experiment. And I wouldn't be surprised if Griezmann got that, got that spot up until that point. And then you'll have Dembele on the left, Messi coming in from the right. But I, I just, you know, Coutinho, yes, he didn't perform for us. But if you get rid of him and Malcolm in the same window, that's just weird. It's, it's straight up just weird planning. It's planning that just doesn't, it's not logical. If Barca are certain, if they're absolutely sure that they're getting Neymar, like 100% sure, I can understand that you get rid of Malcolm and then Coutinho. Because then you have Neymar and you have Dembele, potentially Griezmann. And if we get a proper striker, uh, to, if we get a, not a proper striker, but a pure striker to replace Suarez in, let's say, a year from now, we're set. We're pretty much set. Because our midfield is strong and our defense is strong. Now, Jordi, uh, Alba has gotten some competition with, with Firpo, and I'm really looking forward to see how that's going to pan out. Now, as you know, Firpo did not play in the Liga opener. Um, but let's hope it's not going to be another another Semedo situation because Semedo has been to me. I know a lot of people don't like him. They prefer Sergio Roberto, who he's had his moments. He's had his moments, and he's been good, just not as a right back. He's played in that position, but he's not played as a right back. He's played as more of a of a right midfielder for me. And I think a lot of people will agree with me on this. Sergio Roberto is not a good right back. He's a good right mid. As one of those energy right mids. Not one of those flare dribble right mids. He's one of those right mids that know when to attack. He knows when to make a good pass. Um, but he doesn't deserve to start over a proper right back. That absolutely bossed it at Benfica. And then comes here to Barca. And that transfer was happened so fast. But I think Semedo has been good. I think Semedo has been good whenever he's he's gotten a chance. He's been solid also because he is a right back by nature. Roberto is far better going forward. I'm not going to deny that. I don't think anyone can deny that. But Roberto is a midfielder turned right back. And before he used to play as more of a holding box-to-box, uh, -box, he was a number 10. He used to play behind the strikers. So he knows how to attack. He knows how to make passes, how to string passes together, how to make those runs in behind the defense. Coming in from the right, he knows how to attack. But he's not a right back. He doesn't know how to defend as much as Semedo does. And while Semedo does have some hiccups, some mishaps here and there, he's he's still a more defensive bet. He's, he's a more solid bet if you want to go for a proper defender. And Firpo is also going to be really, really interesting to watch because Firpo was a left back in a, in a three-man, well, left left wing back in a five-man or a three-man system, however you want to call it. Um, 
and three-man defense and then two on the left-back positions. And so obviously he's used to both the defensive and the attacking work, and he's I think he's been solid in both ends. So maybe he can give Alba some of that competition that he's been missing because Alba is one of those players that I really, really like, but he's he, he is kind of a hot-cold player. Um, he'll do really well throughout the season, and then all of a sudden that switch will just flick. And when we face big oppositions against Madrid, he might play really well. And then when we face the Champions League, he's he's always just he he just doesn't perform. And I th I don't think it's be I don't think it's to do with his quality because I genuinely believe that he's one of the best left backs in the world. And for me, at one point, at that current time, of course, I'm not, I'm saying that to clarify it wasn't like it wasn't in the history, but it was right now. For me, at the time, he was the best left back. But he does some mishaps during those big games because he doesn't have competition. So during the season, naturally, he gets complacent because he knows who's going to compete with me. Juan Miranda, he's bare, he's not he's not even considered that seriously by Barca. And now he might be loaned out to Marseille. Marco Correa was first loaned to Eibar, then bought back, and then sold to Getafe. So, he's not really gotten any competition up until now, and I think that competition will do him really well. We saw Suarez when he got competition. As soon as he saw Griezmann, we started seeing videos of Suarez training, Suarez looking to get back with a bang. And then against Napoli, he scored that goal out of nowhere. Um, he got injured against Bilbao, and that the, the, the team just didn't play well. I don't know what else to say. I, I said I, I did talk about it in the uh, I did talk about it on Twitter I wrote a I think I wrote a short thread of, uh, on the performance of the team and what we had what I thought we had to do going forward but that performance was was just off uh, and I hope Valverde can somehow reignite that spark that we had against Napoli because when we played against Napoli that was that was beautiful that was the Barcelona that I haven't seen for two years at least if not more I haven't I hadn't seen Barca play so well for a while and then you come and then all of a sudden that game happens and you get hope you get hope that maybe this season this season could be the season where we absolutely boss it on all ends but then the league opener came and it just didn't just didn't go well it just didn't go well and I think I think I think it's, I think it's funny because some Madrid fans are starting to already pipe up, be like, "Oh, look, you lost," uh, you know, so much talk for this season going to, you know, this is not going to go up well for you guys. You already lost against Bilbao, we're top of the table. They're already making that old troll football. Hey, mom, where's the remote controller? It's on top of the table, joke. Um, but you're not going to be top of the table for too long, Madrid. Don't get too happy now. There's still one game. It's early in the season. And just like you have made some good plays, just like you have bought some good players, Atleti have as well. And I think Atleti can be a big, big threat this season. As much as we always say it every season, we always say Atleti are going to be a big threat and then they disappoint. But I think the players that they've got now, the players that they got in this season, uh, this summer, are going to give them an, that spark of energy and desire and heart that they've somewhat been missing. Um, and I, I think, I think, that's, I think that's, that's going to take them a long way. Uh, I think Atleti will be really interesting to watch this season. Among some other teams as well, there were some games. Yeah, now it's 5 a.m. currently, but there were some games last se uh, yesterday, and the f the first match day of La Liga has been absolutely crazy for some teams. I believe it was six red cards and what was it? I think yeah, it was six red cards in the first match day of La Liga. Six red cards. Let that sink in. That's absolutely crazy. One of the games ended 4-4 in the first in the first day of the league. This this season is going to be incredible, and the fact that some of these mid-table teams are the ones really stepping up just makes it look even more promising. Uh, I think Barca are going to step back up. I think Madrid are going to prove to be a threat. Even though I'm I'm really interested in seeing how Zidane is going to handle the team, how he's going to handle all those big egos that are in the squad. How he's gonna tactically try to outclass opponents that now are more tactically aware, given the players they've gotten, the 
the funds that they have, the players that they've brought in, both from their youth academies but also from other clubs. Because there's been a lot of movement in La Liga this season, a lot of movement. A lot of players that just weren't good enough for their clubs that have been shipped off to other clubs who might find them more useful. And it's going to be really, really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see this this season. Especially, I think I don't think the top three will be as interesting as the fourth to seventh position, the Champions League, the Europa League spots. I think those will be really interesting to watch. Because there are a lot of quality, quality players in the, in the teams that could potentially end up there. And I think I think some of the promoted teams will surprise us. I would not I, I would not be you know, I wouldn't put it past them. I would not put it past them because we saw how we saw how, how good Abar were in their first season. Their first season with I believe they had five thousand people as the capacity for their stadium when they got promoted. And and they they surprised everyone. So I think we're going to be in for a bang with this season, both the top teams and the mid-table teams and the lower league, the the low-end teams. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a really really good season. This um, and hopefully the competition that Barca have gotten, you know, with the other inquire with the other players that we've gotten, the competition that they'll give to Suarez and Alba, Rakitic is also filling that competition, and he might be on his way out. Uh, Semedo feeling competition with Musa Wage, and he even Semedo even denied the rumors that he uh, that he might be used as a bargaining chip in the Paris deal. He went out on Instagram and denied them earlier today. The, this season is going to be interesting. I think this season will be one of the most one of those seasons where Barca have m- arguably more competition within the team than from their opponents, and that's what's going to be the most interesting. So I'm, I'm, I want to see how Valverde can 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 manage that. I want to see how he's going to manage that. Because with so many, so many options to pick and choose from, it's not easy. But what's easy is choosing the ones that are doing well, and hopefully he'll be able to do that in a way that works. Uh, and and hopefully we'll get some fun, entertaining football on the side as well. Because you know that that would be that would be really really good. That would be the Barca way that we've missed seeing for so long. Um, so. A lot of you have talked to me about Neymar, what I think, and I did address it at the beginning of this podcast, and just to recap um, about that at least, Barca and Madrid are both interested in him, no one is out of the race, not yet, at least, and while Real Madrid, according to French outlets at least, prioritized uh, Paul Pogba for Manchester United more. Uh, Perez still sees him as that superstar signing to fill the marketing void of Cristiano Ronaldo. So they are still trying to make an effort. And uh, while Bill is not going to be used as a bargaining chip, seemingly, they do have some other options. Um, as for Barca, they're playing with their cards really close to them. No one really knows what their plan is. Hopefully they do. <laughs> Hopefully they know what their plan is. But no one really knows what the plan is um, in terms of... Who are they going to offer? What are they going to offer? Are they going to offer a loan with an obligation and pay it in a, pay some of it in installments, uh, or are they going to offer certain players that might be very interesting for Paris, but are players that Barca also wouldn't mind letting go of? A lot of things. A lot of things are so vague about this this situ- about the whole about the whole transfer about the whole transfer saga. And initially, according to some outlets, Neymar wanted Madrid's interest to push Barca to move so they could make a move for him and actually get the deal done. And it did work because that's when Barca started actually pushing for the deal. But now Madrid actually are genuinely interested in him and trying to make a move. And Paris, knowing you guys, of course, also know the history between Paris and Barca, um, Paris would much, much rather sell in Madrid. So... That's what they're trying to do. But Neymar's stance is obviously really important in saying that I don't want to go to any other club but Barca. Barca's problem is that he had not he has not said that publicly yet. And that's what Barca want him to do. But the fact that he hasn't said it publicly yet means that the door to Madrid still is open. Because he hasn't technically, he hasn't explicitly gone out and said, I don't want to join Madrid. Because if he says, I don't want to join Madrid, I just want Barca. Madrid are out. Of the, Madrid are out. There's no way they're going to get him. Paris are going to be forced to sell him to Barca. 
And if Barca can meet Paris require, uh, you know, Paris demands, he's going to go to Barca. But the problem is, if he doesn't, he might get stuck in Paris. And he also has to think about himself. And that's why I don't. At least that's why I think he hasn't gone out and said anything because it has a lot of consequences. You know, recording a podcast at I started at around four thirty a.m. It's not really the best idea, but uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I hope you guys are enjoying this. Because, you know, as much as much fun as it is for me, I also want it to be enjoyable for you guys to listen to. Um, I bought some things to make a better, to make the setup even better, to make the quality better. <clears throat> Finally got my mic fixed. And, uh, <coughs> yeah, I, I'm enjoying doing this. I'm enjoying doing this. And the fact that I couldn't do it earlier, um, the fact that I had to skip around two weeks was something that really annoyed me but it was what I had to do I did what I had what I had to do I genuinely didn't have another option but to skip those two weeks but my plan is that I will record this uh, a couple of days prior and I will have these out every single Monday I'm gonna try and experiment with the timing because <coughs> last time when I posted it uh, the first episode didn't get too much traction um, initially. It didn't. It barely got. It, it did get some traction, but it didn't get the traction that it, my podcasts usually get. And obviously, that that's what comes with going on, you know, a different platform and doing it, posting it in a certain way. Because what I used to do earlier, for those of you who watched me, already know this. But for those those of you who are new, I used to just post them on YouTube. So I just have one link. You click on it, and that's it. You're in. And soon, I began to branch out to SoundCloud, and then when I got uh, when I partnered with Big Heads with the Big Heads Media Network, uh, their their link is below. By the way, if you want to watch, there are a lot of awesome podcasts you can listen to: football, uh, non-football, anything you can think of. There's a podcast for you down there, so make sure to check that out. As soon as I partnered with them, I started branching out to other platforms, and um, <coughs> currently. It is on Spotify, it is on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, and I am trying to get it on Google Podcasts. Uh, if any of you do find it, because I'm not sure if it is on there, I can't find it on there, but the analytics say that there have been some of you who've listened to it on there, so if you have, if you're listening to it on Google Podcasts, please DM me the link or a screenshot or something, just so I know that it's on there. Um, so do let me know. And speaking of you guys' involvement, now it's question time. So, as you guys know, I have told I told you on Twitter, and I will do it on Instagram as well going forward. If you have any questions you, uh, you want to ask me, for it's including these podcasts, you can use the hashtag TDSPod. And um, every time I'll pick around three questions that I'll answer. And uh, that's to avoid taking too long with it, but also three questions that I think you know, that are different, because I might get the same question from diff- a bit, you know, slightly different angles, but it's essentially the same question that prompts a very similar answer. So I'm trying to get three questions that aren't really the same and come from different people, so different people get the chance to actually have their questions on here. Um, and uh, this is a segment that I will do every single episode. So if you do have any questions that you'd like me to answer, Twitter or Instagram, um, Shoot me a question with hashtag TDSPod, whether it's in a reply or in a separate tweet or a quote tweet, whatever it is. Shoot it with hashtag TDSPod, and I'll make sure that I get around to it in the coming episodes. So, these three other ones I've chosen for this episode, um, I might include some that were asked that I didn't get get around to this episode. I might include those in the coming episodes, but if you want to make sure that your question is going to be in the next episode feel free to shoot it as soon as possible send it my way um and uh you know we'll see we'll see shoot a unique-ish question because some of these questions that i get i have like i got some questions about the neymar situation uh for instance and one of them is a bit advanced so i'm gonna answer that but some questions i get are questions about things that are already in my mind i'm like I want to address this. 
in the podcast. That's going to be like one of the topics. And then I go and I look at these questions and some of them are about that exact thing. So there's really no reason for me to include it as a question if I'm going to address it as part of the flow anyway. So that's kind of how I plan these out. So now you know what kind of questions to ask. But obviously, what I'm planning on doing with these questions is... What I'm planning to do with with these podcasts is get closer to you guys as well. I want this to be you guys' form of, you know, another form of communication with me. Because a lot of you talk to me on Twitter. I try to interact with as many of you as possible. Some of you are in the WhatsApp groups. Talk to me on WhatsApp and private messages on Telegram. And I really enjoy talking to you guys. So hopefully this way will be a medium for you guys to ask me, you know, questions or my opinion on things in a different way. And, um... Hopefully we can get close to each other in that way and you guys will feel, you know, a bigger part of the show. So that's my intention with it. And uh, with that, let's get on to the first question. <coughs> Bye. Uh, let's see here. KK Tuta, of course, hashtag Valverde out. And um, he says... Long time no see, bro. Um, yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. I went off for a while. Um, and uh, it felt weird, I'm not going to lie. But I'm happy to be back. My question is, if Neymar wants to come back so bad, why didn't he drop his case against Barca? The loyalty bonus won. Also, man, I don't feel motivated at all to see him back under this disastrous coaching. Now, <clears throat> my throat is so dry. <coughs> it's actually ridiculous. But yeah, um, as for the loyalty bonus, I did read a while back. I have not checked up on this, but I will check up on it, and I'll let you know. Um, but as far as I know, he did drop the case. Uh, he did drop the case, and that's another hint that he does want to come back to Barca. Now, as for the coaching, as I said on Twitter, Valverde... Not, you can't really point at a player and, and say that, yeah, he's definitely improved him. In a way that, you know, the player wasn't naturally. The thing is, there are some players that improve regardless of their manager. Now, obviously, under certain managers, they'll improve even more. But there are players that are just that good, that they improve despite whoever is managing them. But we've seen what Pep Guardiola can do to players like uh, Zinchenko, Fernandinho, David Silva, who many thought was finished. He's went out and made another beast of him. Uh, Raheem Sterling has become absolutely fantastic. <coughs> Bernardo Silva has been great. <coughs> and that that's the thing. There are managers who are good at, you know, giving, you know, changing players for the better. When you look at Thomas Tuchel, you look at Dembele before Barca. He's turned him into a be- he turned him into a beast. When you look at Kylian Mbappe now in Paris under Tuchel, he's also a beast, and that's not a coincidence. But you also gotta you also gotta you know realize that there's only so much that the manager can do. Because the player also has a responsibility. Now, <clears throat> what I'm referring to here is not Dembele's situation, which also comes down a bit to the unprofessionalism he used to show. I think he's cut down on it now, but he used to show a lot, uh, some big red flags when it came to professionalism. Um, <clears throat> but for instance, the Coutinho saga um, wasn't just on Valverde; it also was on Coutinho. Because he, he ended up missing some, you know, some basic passes, failing some basic things. Because he mentally was in a different place. Mentally, he wanted to impress and he just had that in his mind. Instead of actually realizing that I had to do these things. This is what I have to do. And then the other things will follow. As a professional footballer, that's also something you got to be able to do. So, Coutinho, for... His, his problem wasn't just Valverde, it was also himself and how he perceived his situation. And that's also a problem with Dembele, 
uh, other than the injuries, other than than Valverde's management of him, the fact that after having been injured for so long and trying to recover, and, and Barca seemingly being a bit uh, a bit cautious with how you know they they play him. After that Bilbao game, where he didn't have a good game, another player would have stayed in Barcelona and would have, you know, tried to get back to the level that he knows he can be at. Instead, Dembele went to the Senegal earlier, uh, well, yesterday, so Saturday, Sunday, sorry, Sunday, right? And you look at it and you're like, well, you're injured, so you need rest. Why are you traveling to Senegal? Which is a fair, you know, it's not right around the corner. So why don't you, you know, either rest, because the team did get those, they did get some days off. Either rest or train. Because the the plane, the plane, going there with the plane and, you know, being on vacation, whatever you want to do there, and then coming back, that's some, that's, that's going to drain you physically, you know, and obviously you can, you know, get back, you know, back into rhythm and stuff, but those are things where, that's where I'd like to see a bit more from Dembele, a bit more of that, you know, desire to, to really show and prove to everyone, including yourself, how good you can be. So it's not just about the manager. Yes, the manager plays a role. Yes, we're not playing the attractive Barca brand football that we all know and love, that we've known and loved for so many years. But at the same time, it's not just the manager. It also falls down on the player. And hopefully, that's the thing that Billy will improve on. So moving on to the next question. It's from Ferris. Uh who has been one of my most loyal, supportive fans and friends since I started. So thank you. I know you're probably listening to this because you usually do. And um, let's see your question. So you say, do you think there's any chance Valverde could get sacked early on in the season if we don't perform? Also, do you think Dembele's running out of time to prove his worth to the fans? I still obviously believe in him, and I know that he'll become one of the best, but some people don't seem to know that. Now, as I, I kind of already addressed the Dembele part. I think running out of time, it wouldn't be far off to say, but it also depends on like how he performs. Because if he starts performing now and he stays fit, he still has time. But if he plays like he's played in preseason for three months, I think his time will very, very, sh- very surely run out. As for Valverde getting sacked, I-, I don't know what the situation with Valverde is. I don't know why... As much as it seemed like he was leaving, a lot of reliable outlets and sources says he was said he was leaving, and he was leaving until Bartomeu changed his mind. Now I don't know what triggered Bartomeu to change his mind, and that whatever it is will definitely play a role in whether he would get sacked. Now, if Barca absolutely, if they're absolutely disastrous in the first three months, which I don't see happening at all, but if they are. And the blame is clearly on, a big part of it clearly is on the manager. Like, it's not the players that are just not playing. It's also some managerial things that just are going wrong. I could see him getting sacked. But we also got to accept that if we perform in the league, he's not going to get sacked. At least not yet. And... As much as we, as much as a lot of us would love a different manager, also because for me, it's not a much, it's not too much the fact that I, I don't think Valverde is a bad manager. I don't think he's he's a trash manager, as a lot of people make him out to be. I think he's, I genuinely think he's a good manager, but he's just not a Barca manager. He just isn't what he's, he's not a manager that Barca can get far with, and that's where the problem is. So. 
I, I, as much as I would have liked a different manager to join the team for this season, it didn't happen. And I wouldn't have my hopes up. I wouldn't have my hopes up. And I don't think you should either. If that's what you want, don't don't get your hopes up. Because I don't think this Barca is going to not perform this season. I don't see us not performing. Especially if we get Neymar, I, I think this team is going to be absolutely incredible. So we'll have to wait and see. But for now, I can't see Valverde leaving. And now on to the final question. By FCB Cry 14 at FCB Cry 14, Yusuf, he says, with Everton being off the table and Inter spending a, bo- a boatload on Lukaku, who do you realistically think Rakitic could go to? The only other team, if we're gonna say that, um, if Inter are off, if they're if they're not an option, the only other team that I could see would be Paris. And Paris did want him. Now, not so much, but they did want him a year ago when he said no. And they're the only place I could see him going. He's not going to, he's not, I don't think, I don't think at the, now, given his age, I don't see him going to the Premier League anytime soon. Um, So, I think Paris would be the most likely destination for him if he was to leave. And... Whether he'll leave, we'll have to wait and see what Barca offer Paris if he's part of that offer. Um, if he's a player that they all of a sudden would really, really much like. And we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to say that he's leaving or that I think he's leaving because it's, it's a really complex. It's a really complex situation. It all... For me right now, that all really depends on how the Neymar deal happens, if it happens, uh, and, and whether he's included or not. Because he was not happy with all the links to other clubs because he's happy with Barcelona. And um, he he wants to stay. He wants to stay. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens this season. Because Valverde has said, I can't, you know, obviously you have to earn your place. But he's been an important player for us. I don't know if he's going to be that this season. I don't know if he's going to be that anymore. And that's not because, and that's not just because he's unsure of whether he's staying, but also because he knows that there's so much competition in that midfield right now. Ricky Puig, Carlos Alanya, uh, Frankie De Jong, obviously. Vidal is staying, um, as I as I reported earlier, earlier today through, uh, I believe it was Sport. Or Mundo Deportivo, I don't quite remember, but he is staying at the club, so yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. And now it's time for laugh of the week. So the meme that a lot of you probably have seen that always makes me laugh is that Stephen A. Smith from ESPN and Lionel. Messi, uh, where they've put his face on there, and it, it just always makes me laugh. It genuinely always makes me laugh. It's, it's so funny. I know a lot of you. I think, I think, pretty much all of you have seen it. So basically, basically Stephen Smith talking, and he basically says, uh, "It's, it's, it's hilarious." I'm here to tell you right now. We don't care. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I think I think it's not it's not just you know the fact that it's Messi's face, but it's the fact that Messi has a receding hairline as well, and then that beard it just adds to it. <laughs> the thing with Stephen A. Smith, if you know if you guys know him, his quotes can be used for anything and they will still make sense. That's the thing that I love the most about him. Um, that this tweet, this tweet has cracked me up all week. Like every time I see someone writing something, and then someone writing something that people are like, "Oh, we don't care," and they just post that, and it's so, f- it's so funny every single time. It gets me every single time. So if you guys find any funny uh, tweets, uh, you can send them my way, um, either in a reply to, I will make a, a tweet prompting for funny tweets. 
uh, or you can say or you can use the hashtag TDS pod fun and you can you know put reply with a link and then hashtag that if you want and then I'll see them so on that note I'd like to say thank you uh, everyone for tuning in I know this podcast um, was a bit different from the first episode obviously because the first episode was introductory uh, and I'm trying to get into the rhythm of making these podcasts again and hopefully they will feel a bit more fluid uh, going forward and hopefully you guys enjoyed this if you have any advice anything you'd like to see me do in these podcasts any segment ideas uh, let me know down below uh, if you're watching on if you're not if you're not watching this on youtube if you're watching if you're listening to it on spotify or soundcloud or apple uh, podcasts shoot me a tweet or a dm if you have any ideas if you're watching this on youtube comment down below all my links will be uh in the description of whatever platform you're watching this on and um, I will have some guests on here soon, so stay tuned for that. I will have some merch dropping soon as well, working on it behind the scenes, working on some things as well for the website, and um, I'm also setting up a Patreon soon. So if you have any ideas for any tiers that you'd like to, where you think, okay, I would pay this amount of money, again, it's about, we're talking three, five bucks, and then some, you know, higher amounts but obviously the higher you the more you pay the more you get type thing um so in one of them i might include some merch i'm i, I might might i'm not too sure but i, I might and um i'm, I'm, I'm you know i want to think th- i really want to think this through and uh, make sure that it feels like it's worth it for you guys because in the end i want you guys to feel like it's worth it if you end up supporting me monetarily, I want you to feel like you're not just supporting me, just to support me, you're actually, you know, getting something in return. So if you have any ideas, let me know if it's in, a, whether it's in a DM, or if it's down below in the comments, or it's on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know, and um, on that note, thank you all for watching, thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> Again, I have been your host, Blogonogram, and um, I'll see you next Monday. Peace out, people, and have a good day.